Imagine that somebody asked you, so what is the prodigal son about? What's the point of the parable? What's the prodigal son about? And you just had to give a little thumbnail answer to that. What would you say? I think a lot of people might say, well, it's about the overflowing, unbounded forgiveness of God. No matter what we do, always wants us back. Something along those lines. But it's interesting to look at how Jesus set it up. We've got to remember, Jesus never says, now I'm going to tell you the parable of the prodigal son. And Luke doesn't write, here's the parable of the prodigal son. It's just this ongoing conversation. So how does Jesus set it up? Well, wonderfully, the church gives us that little setup in the reading we have today. He sets it up not with stories of forgiveness, but he sets it up with stories of wild desire, right? Lost a sheep. I want that sheep more than anything else. I'll leave the 99 and I'll go after it. The shepherd doesn't forgive the sheep for wandering off without permission. He just looks with a furious desire. And when he finds him, he's overjoyed. The woman who loses a coin, I've got to get that coin back. She doesn't forgive the coin for getting lost. She wants it much more than even she needs it. She wants it with this kind of furious desire. And that's Jesus' lead-in to the parable of the prodigal son. And I'd like to suggest that if there's anything really prodigal, really just over the top, almost unnecessarily wasteful in that parable, it's not the son wasting the inheritance and the good intentions of the father. It's not the father wasting his forgiveness on a son who might go and do it all over again. It's a prodigal desire. It's a desire of the father wanting more than anything else to get that lost son back. So here's the question. We talk so much in the Christian spiritual life about forgiveness, right? How important it is. It's offered to us. Can we offer it to others? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We get that. But forgiveness is something that has to be taught in a way, right? And usually we learn forgiveness not through granting it, but being told that we should seek it. We all remember those days. Say you're sorry. Say you're sorry. I'm not shut up and say you're sorry. Say you're sorry. Kind of how we learn gratitude. What do you say? What do you say? You know, Grandma just gave that to you. What do you say? Where's the on switch so I can start playing? We learn over time. And even if initially we just say it because we're told to say it, it begins to sink in and we start realizing what it really means to have that interaction. But nobody teaches us what we desire. Nobody teaches us what we want more than anything else. Nobody teaches us something even greater than need. When I see it and I've learned to value it. Okay, I can say I learned to value it, but not because someone has directly taught it to me. I've got to see it. I've got to experience it. I've got to literally interact with it. And then it just grows up spontaneously. Eventually, the shepherd, if he really has a shepherd's vocation, he doesn't need to be taught the value of his sheep. He just desires it because it's special to him. So how is it that we grow in desire? And I really think there's only one way to do it, and that's through encounter and experience 
of that which is desirable, right? You can ask yourself, what is it that makes us desire someone who maybe has wronged us? Should we forgive them? Okay, we should forgive them. But there's a big difference between saying, I forgive you, and and maybe we can mend the fence, and saying, I desire more than anything else that you would be back. I desire more than anything else that we would have the greatest, most wonderful relationship you can imagine. And I think the way you grow in desire, as I said, is by being in the presence of that which is good, by being in the presence of the one who seems to live forgiveness but really lives it because they desire the goodness of the other. That first reading is almost humorous in a way because what Moses is doing is he's inflaming Yahweh's desire for his people, right? God is kind of upset with the Israelites. He's ready to go down and zap them. And Moses reminds him of that initial love. He says, don't you remember? These are your people. You chose them. You're crazy about them. All Moses had to do was just kind of remind God a little bit. Rekindle that flame. And God remembers and he comes back. It's a little funky theology maybe, but that's a whole other lecture. Talk, what's going on in Exodus. It's a good dynamic, right? that ability to have that desire rekindled. And so I think it's worth asking ourselves, what is the goodness that we put ourselves in the presence of? And I know there's kind of an automatic, knee-jerk response to that question. Well, you know, good people in my life, the world around us is good, creation is good. But to be brutally honest and to say no, no, who are the people that I interact with on a regular basis I see them showing me what the desire for the other looks like, irrespective of what the other person seems to be doing. It's not automatically the case that we rub shoulders with those folks all the time, but to surround ourselves with that kind of company. That's why over at the seminary, I say to the guys, yes, study really hard, definitely grow in your prayer life, but then get out of here. On weekends, get out into the parishes. See the parents who've dedicated their lives to children, whether they're holding toddlers in their arms or they're sending almost grown children off to school. They're accompanying them throughout their life. See what it means for spouses to dedicate their lives to each other. See what it means for people who are working much harder at their jobs than we are in terms of time on the clock and manual labor. See what it looks like to desire something that is bigger than yourself. It's only in that way that that desire can grow for us because I see, I see there must be goodness in what you desire so deeply and I want that too. There's no shortcut. You can't learn that through a book. So on this great day when the church gives us what is probably one of the most familiar passages in all of scripture, the parable of the prodigal son, It's just worth asking ourselves, how do we grow in prodigal desire? How do we desire what God desires? And there's really only one way to do it, and that's to surround ourselves with others who desire in the same way.